Welcome to Becoming. This is episode 88, Purpose is a Byproduct of Knowing Truth, with Lucas Scrobot. Welcome to Becoming, a podcast for teens and young adults, where together we are becoming more than we are and who we were always meant to be. We are your hosts, Tawny Beardall and Erica Peterson. Each episode will feature different topics to enhance your growth, help you see the world differently, and discover who you really want to become. If screen time has become a point of contention in your home, you need to hear about better screen time. They have tons of free resources and amazing courses to help you and your family find the screen time harmony that you have been waiting for. If you're interested to see what type of courses they have, please click on the link in our show notes to learn more and use the code BECOMING to get 20% off of enrollment for this month only. Welcome back to Becoming today, everyone. We are excited about our topic today. We're going to be focusing on our personal identity. And I know this is a really big and overwhelming conversation to have. So I am personally thrilled to have our guest today help us tackle this. His name is Lucas Scrobot, and I cannot wait to introduce you to Lucas. He is someone that I think resembles Robert Downey Jr. to the T. Have you gotten that before? No. (laughs) No, I seriously feel like you're his son or something. You totally remind me of him, even your demeanor. But Lucas is an awesome guy. He's a risk taker. He's an author. He's a podcaster, an entrepreneur, and an incredible storyteller. Lucas's life is just incredibly fascinating to me. He's someone that has this global perspective, and he really understands how vital it is to be rooted in your identity. Mm. So welcome to the podcast, Lucas. We are thrilled to have you today. You know, I'm, I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad to be with your audience. Man, I think I found you on Instagram somehow. Can't even remember how exactly I found you. Um, I listened to a couple of your shows and I love it. I just think it's so amazing that you ladies are reaching out and providing content for teens and young adults because most of the stuff that's out there isn't necessarily along the lines of becoming. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just love your, your brand, your, your content, your theme, and I'm just really grateful for your work. Oh, thank you. That's so nice of you. I was really curious. I was really wanting to find out because you're literally on the other side of the world and we're here in Idaho. I'm just like, what, how have we made this connection? But it's so fun. We're so excited to have you. Would you maybe quickly introduce yourself to our listeners, help us kick off this episode by just telling us how you ended up living in the Middle East. You live in Dubai, is that right? Yep, we live just outside of Dubai. And it's it's a big question to ask, you know, well, how did you end up living in Dubai? You know, normally people are like, well, it's a funny story actually. And, and it <laughs> is, it's a matter of taking small steps of obedience. And there's this saying that I really like, that it's the dogs of fear guard the doors of your destiny, right? It's the dogs of fear that guard the doors of our destiny. And so I think for my wife and I, we had an opportunity years ago, back in 2013, to move out here for, for a marketing position. And there's a lot of dogs of fear, right? That were, were guarding that door of, well, you know, 
it's the Middle East and I, what if we don't make it and we're alone and we're going to be lonely and we're newly married. We have a six month old kid like, ah, is it a good idea? But it's when you take that small step and walk through that one door that it continues to open up a series of other doors for us to walk into. So it's just one thing, taking a risk, taking a step, taking a chance that has led to another. So long story short, um, it was a business position, marketing position, and we've been here ever since three of our four boys were born here in the Middle East. And it, it really has become home for us. So I want to know how living out there has kind of pulled your direction towards focusing on identity. You've written a book, you help other companies focus in on what their purpose and identity is. How has your experiences in the Middle East kind of pulled you towards that direction? When we moved here, I had this this idea of what success was going to be in my mind. I had this idea that, well, if I'm busy, then I'll be successful. So I was always made sure I had like tons of to-do lists. I was always, you know, fighting to be productive. And even in, in my college days, I would, I would fight my natural body. I, had, I believed these lies that, okay, if I am sleeping eight to nine hours a day, which is, you know, the average body needs about eight to nine hours of sleep. So, but I had this lie that if I'm sleeping that much, that I'm lazy, that I'm a sluggard, that, that I'm, I'm good for nothing, I'm not going to succeed. And I had this belief that, well, if I'm sleeping three to four hours a night, then I'll be productive because that's what productive people do. That's what successful people do. So I would put myself through all these crazy sleep experiments of trying to do like, you know, sleep for 12 hours and be up for 36 hours and pulling all these all night. I would just end up sick time after time again. But I had this wrong algorithm in my head. And when we moved to the Middle East, life just came to a halt. We started off learning Arabic just because of, of my upbringing growing up cross-culturally. My dad was a pilot, so I, I lived in Haiti for a time and lived in, in Papua New Guinea for most of my developmental years. And so I had this, this belief that language is the door to culture. Language is the door to understanding the context you're in and the people that you're sitting with. So we took time to learn language and language is grueling and it's slow. And the Middle East, the culture here, you know, in the afternoons, everyone takes naps. And in my mind, the afternoon is when you're going to get your errands done. That's when you're going to get stuff done around the house. But I had to do those things at nine o'clock at night if a faucet was broken or the AC was broken. I had to do that at nine o'clock at night instead of two in the afternoon. And so all of a sudden, I came face to face with this algorithm that I had created of saying my identity is going to be achieved and my success, my purpose will be achieved if I'm busy. And I was forced to slow down. And in that, I began writing my book, Anchored the Discipline to Stop Drifting, which is really like a memoir or a, a manifesto, if you will, to myself of trying to understand what it was that I was going through. And so it's, it's a short book, 100 pages um, with really simple, actionable thoughts and ideas that we can focus our lives I love that. And I think so many of us have had a similar experience recently to having life forced to be slowed down all of a sudden. It's been a very unique thing for many people. Not everyone has experienced that. But for me personally, it has been like you facing like what you thought you needed to do versus the reality of you just pushing yourself to do these things. So I think that's a really cool 
experience that you were able to actually reflect on it instead of just being like, well, everybody else is doing this, but I'm going to do my thing the way I do it. Like you really took the experience and learned from it. So I think that's super cool. Um, I'd love to hear more about kind of just your thoughts in searching and creating purpose. Me and Tawny have talked a lot about this because so many people are talking about finding your purpose and everybody's like, you need to find your purpose. You need to find your purpose. But how? It's, it's really not a concrete thing. So I want to hear more about your thoughts on this. I love your reflectivism, but I want to hear more about how you help people find that. Right. So going off of one, one thing that you said about everything that we're experiencing right now collectively as a culture with COVID-19 and these lockdowns and everything seems to come to a halt. And I talk about this in the book as well, but this idea that life should be an adventure. We are told, follow your passion. We are told, find your purpose. You know, figure out your identity. Figure out who you are, your meaning, your purpose, your passion. Just follow that. And we, we believe from that that it's supposed to be exciting. It's supposed to be this adventure. It's supposed to be just amazing. And then the moment that it's not, we say, well, something must be wrong. Something mm-hmm. must be wrong with me. Something must be wrong with my job, my situation, my school, my major. Something must be wrong with fill in the blank, my friends. And we hit the eject button and we jump to the next thing, the next adventure, when really adventures are mundane. If you look at the Lord of the Rings, they spend most of their time walking. Out of their their three-year journey, a thousand-day journey, they have 50 some odd days of actual action. Hmm. And the other times they're waiting, they're walking, waiting and walking for you know a thousand days. That's boring. And then the other times they're running for their lives. You know, if one of us had one of those days of having to run from their lives, we'd need like, you know, get me therapy and like, I just need to like sleep in bed for a week. Yeah. Right. But, but we've romanticized this idea of adventure. And with that, we've romanticized this idea of purpose. We've romanticized this idea of identity. And when I was in, in high school, uh, thinking about this conversation with, with you girls, I've been thinking about this this story of when I was in high school. And, you know, I had some family problems. My family was great, but I had like started to believe these lies. And I was kind of a loner. I didn't fit in with my grades. So I was friends with all the kids two and three years older than me. And, and of course, I'd get left out of their activities. And so I found myself alone. I found myself unhappy. I vividly, I vividly remember one day walking to algebra class. And I, I said to myself, I am not happy. And I almost like look, looked up at the heavens and I said, God, you do not make me happy. I am going to do what makes me happy. I'm going to pursue and chase happiness. I'm going to pursue and chase my passion. Well, you know, you can probably guess what happened. Did I get happier? No. no. <laughs> Where did that lead you? No. It led me to deeper depression. Yeah. It led me to drinking. It led me to smoking. It led me to being suicidal. And it ultimately led my dad losing his job and us having to move and then mm-hmm. feeling a ton of shame and guilt and self-hatred. Like me choosing to try to be happy led me into self-hatred and led me into depression. And so, so many times people think, well, I'm going to chase, you know, happiness. That's, that's my purpose. I'm going to be happy. Also, I'm going to chase happiness. Oh, money, riches. Oh, long life and health. 
And so we chase these things, but we don't realize that if we chase happiness, we'll never get happiness. If we chase wealth, we'll never get wealth. If we chase long life, we'll never get long life. But if we chase wisdom, with wisdom comes long life, happiness, and wealth. And so when I talk about purpose and I talk about identity, I've been realizing the same sort of narrative is going on that across a generation, we are trying to find our identity in the color of our skin. We're trying to find our identity in whether we're a male or a female or or sexual orientation. We're trying to find our identity in all these external things. And it is leading us to a place of nihilism and death. And and nihilism is this this idea that you don't want to exist anymore. And and we're seeing the fruit of that right now. Um, And so instead, the, the same thing is happening. We're chasing purpose. We're chasing meaning, but it's it's leading to fruit that we don't want in our life. And so the thing, the thing that I've become to realize that we need to chase instead is truth. And it's through chasing and pursuing truth, through understanding rationally, grasping on to the truth of who we are, who we are created to be, our identity in God, chasing truth of the world outside, the world around us, and looking objectively at it that we were actually able to come to a place of grounding and that, that truth, that is what gives us our sense and meaning of purpose and destiny and identity, everything that we're looking for. It's found in truth. Oh, I love that. And I love how you articulated it because that's something that's really hard to put your finger on. But I do think it has something to do with really defining to yourself what success and what purpose means to you individually. And you're right, if you are looking for those little, short, tangible moments of happiness, and that's what we're seeking, we'll have that for a moment, and it'll fleet. And then you're diving for the next one, and then that fleets. So if you look for that divinity that you spoke of, and the truth and the wisdom, when we're rooted and have that as our foundation, then I think the purpose just naturally starts to open up for you individually. Absolutely. And it's true. So going back to, right, we're talking about truth and lies. So there is a lie that's out there in the world today saying that truth is relative, right? Yeah. So it's, it's saying, well, live your truth. Well, you know, you just got to find your truth. Well, this is my truth. And I've been using this metaphor. I haven't thought it through um, fully. So there could be some holes in it. But I've been thinking about, you know, some of the, the Disney films or the Pixar films or just these archetypal stories that we all love and I was thinking about the, the Tangled story where there's this girl in a tower and she's told by, you know, her grandma or her mom or grandma, who's really a wicked witch, that, oh, there's these people out there that want to steal your hair and all these things. She could have said, well, that is truth. That, that is yeah. my truth. Well, no, that is your experience. But it does not necessarily mean that your experience is empirical truth. Mm-hmm. It does not mean that your experience and what you perceive the world is around you is actually a rational experience, experiential truth. And she finds that out. She finds out as she went out into the world that, wait a minute, I actually have a loving mom and dad. I'm not orphaned. I'm not all these things. And and so I've been thinking about that for our life, especially now where, where people are saying, no, truth is relative. You know, it's all relative. You live your truth. I'm going to live my truth. And, and that, that leads us to a place of despair because that is what leads us down the road of, 
of essentially this postmodern idea, which is then leads to nihilism. And so this nihilism and postmodernism where nothing is true, nothing is grounded, nothing is real, and we have no meaning and purpose in our lives. And so that's why I, I always talk about that. We need to be careful about the things that we think because the things that we think will become our emotions, which will become our actions. And that will then in turn become our behavior. That will become our habits. That will become the environment around us and it will become our destiny. We have to watch our thoughts because those thoughts have either really great consequences or really, really bad consequences. So my thought that I just keep having is it's so difficult to find that truth and we've really conditioned ourselves to go to Google to find truth. You know, like I want to find out this fact and you go find it. When we're seeking truth, where do we start and how do we test without having those really bad consequences of making a step in the really wrong direction? How do we test that and how do we tune in to seek real truth and sit in that space? Yeah, that is a really great question and a very difficult question, especially in in the environment that we live in today. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer. So I'll give you that answer and then I'll kind of give you another answer. Um, so from my biblical perspective, I'd say, well, you know, we go to the word, we go to Jesus. We say like, well, Jesus said, I am the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. So we, we find truth in there. And within that, there's these checks and balances. We, we have the Holy Scriptures and then we have our leaders. We have those around us. So we don't do it in isolation. The person that isolates himself seeks his own, right? And the person that isolates himself is going to be in a world of pain in a short matter of time. So we have to do it in community. And so that's kind of one half of the answer. The other half of the answer, I would say, um, that maybe doesn't have so like those religious overtones to it, I would say we have to test in question. Now, a lot of people say, well, I'm just skeptical. I'm just going to question everything. And I don't think that's the correct answer. I think we need to, as you said, we need to test truth. We need to say, okay, here's what I believe. And we lay that out on the table. And then we begin to open books. We begin to read. We begin to talk to other people around us, and we start to poke holes in our thoughts, in the things that we think might be true. And we test them not to continually question in our life, but so that we might come to, to an understanding of reality. Um, and I think a mistake that a lot of people are making is saying, well, you know, just question everything, and they just end up questioning for the rest of their life rather than testing to find out what has, has substance in reality to it and what doesn't hold up under pressure. It's very difficult, but I think it, it takes a matter of time. It takes a matter of, of reading books. It takes a matter of asking hard questions and trying to test what you believe, what you think, well, this for sure is true. Okay, well, are you willing to actually go down and look at the foundations of where do those beliefs come from? And I'm going to see if it holds up under scrutiny. And I'm not going to be emotionally um, attached to something that I might find out is empirically untrue. Now, I understand, you know, maybe you're 15, maybe you're 17, and you're like, what the heck is he talking about? <laughs> but I want, I want to tell you this, you know, as a 15-year-old right now, as a 17-year-old right now, there are things that are being said in the world, dependent on the color of your skin, these, these vast, broad generalizations that are being leveled against different people 
that we have to deal with. We have to wrestle with. It's no longer, well, I can wait till I'm 21. And so I think we need to begin to, even as young people, just starting in simple places of having conversations with your parents, having conversation with people that you know, love you and care about you, where you can ask hard questions that are kind of like faux pas, like ask that taboo question and wrestle with it. And knowledge is power. They're at these ages, these teens that their minds are like a sponge and we just need to create this wealth of information for them and they need to seek it in every which way, like you said, and, and tap into, do I believe this is truth for me? But I think just gathering and I know that you're a big researcher, Lucas, and you just love learning. And I think that if we can start that mindset in the teen years, like the yes. world just opens up to so much bigger. It just becomes so much bigger and the possibilities for who they want to become are endless. Yes. Yes. I was kind of thinking along the lines of just sitting in the space of faith, um, faith in God, faith in the Savior, yes, but also just faith in finding your answers when you are sitting through those time periods of unsurety. I think that that's something that you sometimes have to just step forward and, and try to live as if you already have filled in some of those holes. And then kind of an example from how you do your podcast of doing something and then looking at it and revising and growing from it instead of saying it was a failure when it's not good, saying this is how I'm going to take this and learn from it. You've walked forward with faith in your gut of what you thought you should do and learn from your own choices. So I think that that's the take home for me of just do your best and you'll be able to find yourself in that. Totally, totally. And you bring up a good point. You know, when I was 15, I don't think I could have envisioned life past 16 and a half or 17. When I was 17 or 18, I, I could not envision my life past 20 or 21. And it's hard, you know, if someone told me this when I was 15, I would've been like, you don't understand, life sucks. Um, mm -hmm. But if you're listening, you know, I'm 34 now, you think that sounds ancient, but it's not. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm a kid still, and I have, I have four kids, how did this happen? I'm an adult. <laughs> right. Um, but you have so much time, and these few years, do not define you. This, this is not going to be the rest of your life. It's not going to be the rest of your life. You're going to grow. Your brain isn't even fully developed yet until you're 25. So you have time to try things. And as you said, Erica, I think you just said that so well. It's like, okay, well, test it, right? And psychologists talk about this. They say, you know, if, if you have this idea, if you have this like, hypothesis you know, don't go and try to test it on someone else or test it on the masses, test it on your life. And then after you try that test, look back empirically and say, okay, well, did that give me the results I wanted? Did it have good results or, or did it have bad results? And then you tweak it a little bit and you, and you try another test. And so I think that that is one way, you know, outside of, you know, the philosophical idea, you know, because faith without works is dead, right? So we have our philosophical ideas, but we still have to take everyday action. We still have to take those small steps every day to reach our dreams, to reach our goals, to, to achieve the life that we want to have. 
Um, so I just love how you said that, Erica. I think that was spot on. Oh, I totally Thank agree you. with both both of you. I love your conversation here. And I'm all about work. That's like one of my biggest qualities that I think we need to master and understand. And that's what I feel like. You just put your gloves on. If we just sit here and wait for the answer and the road to just open for us, it's, I'm sorry, it's just not going to. I like what Erica said, just go. There might be holes you have to jump over, but once you move forward, you can look back and those will fill in. You could revise and take a different road if you want. You can go back and start over, but we have to move. We have to be willing to put the gloves on, grab the shovel and get to work. I love faith without works is dead. You couldn't have said it better. And that's absolutely right, Tawny. You know, it's like we have a map. You girls are in Boise, Idaho. And let's say you wanted to get to Chicago. You could open your map and you could draw on the map, you know, all the roads that you need to go on. But if you sat down in your car and closed your eyes and never turned on the car and tried to like, pretend to just turn the steering wheel and, you know, press the gas just right and brake just right to simulate you actually getting there. You never, you could never do it. It actually takes getting in the car, pulling out because you don't know where the stoplight is and where the construction is. And when you have to take a detour, you Mm -hmm. have to start acting and working. Otherwise you'll never get forward motion. Brilliant. Yes. We're running out of time here, but I loved your story about you and your youth on your way to algebra class. And you can just vividly remember that. I want to know if you could go back and just grab Lucas's 16 year old shoulders and just tell him a piece of advice. I want to know what you would tell him. You know, at 16, I was just inundated with so much self-hatred, you know, just so much self-loathing. Um, I was angry. I was hurting. I think I, w- I would have told myself like, Lucas, first, it's going to be okay. And second, you are loved. You are loved and pleasing. And it's not because of something you have done. It's not because of some achievement, but you are loved and pleasing. And I would say that to myself because that was the very thing that kind of broke me free. Is that I, I all of a sudden I had a, an encounter with that reality, with that truth that, wait, I, I am loved. And it, it, it was just so, it was another just moment in my life that was so defining. And so I, I think I would tell myself that at 15, 16, like you have a long life ahead of you and you are loved. Don't believe the lies, but you are loved. As you said that, I just felt an overcoming peace and like I could breathe easier. I think every teen needs to hear that message and they need to learn how to repeat that to themselves. That's beautiful. This has been such a fun conversation. I definitely want our listeners to know where to find you, where to hear more from you. This is something that I don't often say, but this is truly your podcast and connecting with you has been something that I'm like, I want more of this. And I don't add a lot to my plate anymore because I do podcasts myself, but I really feel like it is, goodness and so I I do want people to know where to find you how to learn more from you and share about your book as well yeah so you can find me on the world wide web Instagram um, at Lucas robot that is L-U-C-A-S-S-K robot and so you can find me on Instagram or on my website and I have a podcast as well called the Lucas Scrobot show where we talk about very very much things like this conversation that we just had so I'd love for you to come and join me. And if you do, please slide into my DM 
and say hi and say that you came from the Becoming podcast. And my book, Anchored the Discipline to Stop Drifting, actually, I am sending five books to Tawny and Erica, and they're going to figure out how to do some sort of fun giveaway to get them in your But you can find that on Amazon or on my website, Anchor the Discipline to Stop Drifting. We're so excited. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been so great getting to know you and connecting and just enlightening. It's been my pleasure. Better Screen Time has just created a new course specifically made to help families with teens. It's called Untangling Teens and Tech. The course gives you step-by-step tools to involve your teen to create healthy habits in tech use while helping you bring your family closer together. Interacting with tech is a life skill that should be taught, not ignored or over-controlled. If you want help teaching that skill, click on the link in our show notes and use the code BECOMING to get 20% off enrollment for a limited time only. 